you're invited to explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and float along the rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. Plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdooradventure. Mississippi, wanderers welcome. Hi there, Animation Deliberation listeners. Uh, this is your host, Jay Scotty. I uh, just wanted to hop on real quickly before the beginning of this episode um, to say a couple things. So, um, first of all, thank you for listening. Uh, we are a, a brand new show, so definitely appreciate you uh, giving us your listenership so early on in our in our existence. So, um, with that in mind, if you don't mind going to uh, you know Apple Podcast or your preferred uh, podcast listening app or website, what have you, and just le- leaving us a review. Um, I'm not going to say it has to be a five star review off the bat. Obviously, we're a new show and have room to grow and improve. So if you've got feedback in that regard, um, please go ahead. And then uh, the other thing I just wanted to say is, you know, if you've been listening to us in our first few episodes, we've been covering Young Justice. Um, fear not, if you've been watching along with us, we will return to our coverage of Young Justice very soon. Uh, I just wanted to take a quick break to hit Invincible uh, before the new episodes come out because it's a brand new show um, and there's obviously a lot of interest in there with it being an action animated series. So, um, yeah, thanks for joining us and uh, look forward to the continued coverage of Young Justice and enjoy this coverage of Invincible. Thanks. All right, welcome back to the Animation Deliberation Podcast. On a very special episode of the Animation Deliberation Podcast, we're covering Invincible Season 1, Episodes 1 through 4. All that and more right after this. Sing along if you know the words. A one, two, three, it's time for animation, deliberation, a conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series, yeah. yeah. All right, all right, all right, welcome back, folks. Um, as stated at the top, I'm your host, Jay Scotty St. Clair, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Zuhair Ali. How you doing, Zuhair? Paulin is trying to get me to start sneezing and not talk, but it will not prevail. I am here to talk about Invincible. Excellent, excellent. It's uh, always good to have you, my friend. And uh, as I mentioned, this is a very special episode because we are deviating from our format for the first time by bringing on a third uh, special guest host, and that is Mr. Nathaniel Muzzy. How you doing, Nathaniel? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing Thanks excellent. Thanks for having me. Good. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, we should, we should state right off the bat that, uh, myself and Zuhair, we're not super familiar with the source material, uh, Robert Kirkman's, uh, image comics, Invincible. Um, so I know you have a, you said you, you haven't read the entire series, but you're pretty familiar with the source material, correct? Um, so I have read, I believe the first two, maybe three trades, Okay. But that was years ago, so um, I, I know a few things have already deviated from the comics, but uh, yeah, um, I was a big fan of them, and I fell off just because I wasn't reading any comics, and then the show came out, and I was like, I should watch the show, and now I want to reread the comics, so I guess it's doing its job. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I'm certainly looking forward to checking out the comics. They've been lauded for many years, and I've always seen them on the shelves and thought, I should check that out. But uh, uh, kind of kicking myself for never having done so. This show is all about you kicking yourself for missing out on content, isn't it? 
<laughs> a little bit. Uh, maybe that's going to be the through line going forward. It's, it is the podcast where we take action, animation, and cartoons seriously, and where Jay Scotty kicks himself to refer to myself in the third person there. Uh, but it goes all—it go, kind of goes without saying. Spoiler warning uh, for both the comic potentially as well as the first uh, four episodes of this Amazon series. We're a little bit late to the game, but I think it kind of works out nicely because um, everything that I've I've been able to research, I don't think it's official, but it looks like we're supposed to get somewhere in the neighborhood of eight episodes. So this should serve as a nice um, kind of halfway point. Uh, but before before I guess we dive too, too deep into the specifics, um, do you guys just kind of want to give your overall thoughts, Zuhair? Holy fuck. I only watched... <laughs> this is how it went. Jay Scotty messages me. Hey, I want to do Invincible. Go watch the trailer. Okay. Watch the trailer once. I was like, cool cast, whatever. We'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. I made the mistake of watching the first episode before bed. I did not go to bed <laughs> right after. I had no expectations going into the show. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. But it has mm. not disappointed. Solid story. Uh, awesome character development within four episodes. Again, I have no background knowledge of any of this, but like, I'm I'm very intrigued right off the bat, and I barely have any speculations on like where this is gonna go. It's just I'm along for the ride, and I'm all for it. Mm. What about what about you, Muzzy? What do you think? Uh, I I thought they nailed it. Um, I don't watch nearly as much animation as you, although your podcast is uh, pull, pulling me back in. Ah, good, um, good. Uh, I, I'm starting to run out of free time, which is exactly the way we want things. <laughs> but uh, I, I thought they nailed the tone and feel of the comics. The animation feel, felt good. Mm-hmm. It was visually interesting. The voice acting was really good. Uh, so, yeah. Um, overall, I, I'm thrilled about this series existing. I'm excited. I have Amazon Prime, so I can just watch it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm right there with both of you guys. It's kind of uh, not to bag on Amazon too much, but I really haven't uh, had too many opportunities to queue Amazon Video up since The Boys has finished. I mean, to be fair, to be fair. <laughs> Let's face it, Amazon is a service for two-day shipping that happens to have some media content. Oh, God, I miss when they used to ship. Like, like before the pandemic, they'd ship stuff here for in two days. Once the pandemic started, they were just like, oh, COVID, COVID delays. Ain't nobody COVID got time delays. for that. Now, now stuff is like three to five days. Like uh, First world problems. Yeah, exactly back to invincible <laughs> as i was saying you know um haven't had too many opportunities to queue up or excuses to queue up amazon prime but uh since the boys that is so it's nice to see that they've kind of find a nice niche in the indie comic book world but i agree with you guys it's got a star-studded uh voice cast um the action is super well animated i like how they are able to showcase these different power sets in unique ways that even though we've seen you know, superheroes in live action, superheroes in animation for a few years now, they, they're able to showcase it in, in such a unique, unique way. I was pretty impressed. Um, and not to, not to bury the lead. One of the reasons it kind of stands out so much is, is the gore. So yep. 
I'll I'll say let's get right into it. I mean, Zuhair, you said holy fuck. My first thought was holy shit. Um, just in that first episode. Email in and tell us what your off. holy was. <laughs> holy cow's okay if you want to keep it a little cleaner than we did. <laughs> Net Netflix has really locked themselves up as the evil super Superman uh, streaming provider. If you need an evil Superman, Netflix or. Uh, Amazon is where you go. Oh, right, yeah. Between uh, Omni-Man and Homelander, right? (laughs) We're going to have to start a bracket. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if this is anything like The Walking Dead or uh, Robert Kirkman's previous materials, like, don't hold on to your darlings like anybody's fair game here, as we saw with the the Guardians of the Globe. Just uh, We get introduced to them in the beginning of the episode in this nice, uh, you know, whole team united save the president from these these mauler twins but what helped to make that final sequence so effective and what was very wise is that while the action was intense and they didn't really pull their punches there was never an excuse to showcase any gore like the way they they wrote that was was pretty much perfect because we find out later that the the mauler twins are not uh invincible they can certainly be um torn apart but just not by regular bullets so mm-hmm. yeah oh, except we go through this whole episode what's that now except your eyeball <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that's fair actually yeah we did see that guy get shot right in the eye but uh it wasn't too gratuitous so that's why when we finally do see you know brains exploding and sliding across the the floor it's, it's so shocking but so effective man I'm just now, I'm sure I noticed this before, but I was just reminded that Seth Rogen was a producer on this, and now I just can't help but think um, Sausage Party meets the boys. (laughs) (laughs) kind of what the show is to me now. I'm sticking with it. Okay. But yeah, like, we're watching the show while covering Young Justice, so naturally I was making my comparisons to, like, who they were as the Justice League, because at the top of my head I'm just kind of like, has DC and Marvel just kind of like set a standard of what kind of abilities we set from heroes or is Ooh. it just kind of like if it if it ain't broke don't fix it but I, when this started I was like okay here's a bunch of new superhero team names that I have to learn but I'm just going to call them by who I think they are even like on this Wikipedia page it says she's loosely based off Wonder Woman he's loosely based off Martian Manor so it's like even sure, Wikipedia sure. it's just kind of like this is what we're going off of and looking at this team i was like okay there's gonna be some development i'll i'll get used to it whatever but at the end of the episode when they just get slaughtered by omni-man i was like how did i develop this much of a connection with these characters like i i feel really bad for them right now and i know based off the characters that they resemble like what they're capable of and i'm actually like freaking out like no, like, you're the heavy hitters. Why haven't you started yeah. punching him yet? Why haven't you done this? Like, I, they really made me care for these characters right off the bat. And I was actually, like, feeling really bad when they all, let I me mean, just die doesn't quite cut it. There's more gory word that must fit that standard more. And but... they do it, they do it in such a smart way, how, how they endear these characters they're going to kill off to you. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, the scene with Olga and uh, Red uh, Red Rush, yes, like sticks out in my mind where she's telling him that, talking to him about, uh, is it Aquas the the Aquaman Aquarius, Aquarius I believe, yeah. Uh, 
she she says, well, he's a fish fan. He he probably doesn't have a lot of friends, you know. And like <laughs> instant that just that simple line that that scene helps you understand who these characters who are guardians of the globe are. And then literally the next scene, they all die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a really smart way to do it. We get the little vignettes, and it's it's interesting that you bring up uh, Red Rush in particular because uh, one of the things that stood out to me in that scene is when he was talking to Olga, he said normal conversations for him are like they drag on for an eternity. So I couldn't help mm-hmm. but think when we're watching Omni-Man crush his skull, like that probably lasted a lot longer for him than it did for us and man oh that is that's just brutal the punches were wild too when he's like going in full speed and you see his knuckles breaking and his wrists like giving out and i was like oh god yeah let's spare any detail on this yeah yeah it was intense and then uh well, and you, you brought up Aquarius and the fact that she said he probably doesn't have any friends. And the one scene that we got to to see with him before he took off to meet up with the rest of the crew, he was sitting there by himself. And he's like, finally, some action. <laughs> yeah. Like, so. like, like, you just feel bad for you feel bad for him. And he has like half a line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it, it doesn't matter what what universe it is. The Aquaman archetype always has to get a little flack. It's yeah. Just the nature of the character. And I love the fact that he is just a straight-up fish man. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they're they're able to build up... Because we know who the Justice League are, mm-hmm. they're able to, like, work help us work off of those assumptions. Oh, yeah. Very true. Very true. But uh, one of the things I did, I couldn't help but notice, being a fan of, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff and the, and the voice actors or whatnot, um, the Guardians of the Globe are basically a, like, a who's who of, of the Walking Dead cast. Like, we've got... Uh, both Immortal, the leader, as well as Aquarius that we just mentioned, uh, were voiced by Ross Marquand. So if uh, those, I'm sure plenty of people listening here are also fans of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He just made a recent turn as uh, Red Skull in both Infinity War and Endgame. Um, and then I'm not the biggest Walking Dead fan, so forgive me for not knowing who he plays on The Walking Dead. Do either of you guys know off the top of your head? I have not watched The yeah. Walking Dead. Yeah, this is an animation he podcast. Aaron. It's all good. I don't know who Aaron Ooh. is, but... Okay. He was Aaron. He definitely joined the scene later on. I only watched the first six seasons of that show, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, we had Lauren Cohen voicing War Woman, the Wonder Woman archetype. Red Rush, the Flash archetype, was voiced by Michael Kudlitz. Um, and I, I kind of like the fact that they made him Russian. Like, I, I imagine they just lifted that right out of the comic source material, but it's, it's kind of nice to get the representation and the fact that this is a very much a global a global team so this loss is going to affect the entire world Um, yeah they did a really good job with um the inclusion and diversity aspect of these yeah yeah uh the darkwing archetype was uh i I messed up i didn't get this guy's last name but it's lenny lenny michael was uh okay lenny michael james who was basically um the character that shepherded rick grimes initially and then became like that that hermit guy with the stick that went on to appear in the fear of the walking dead as well i should know that that character's name but i don't um anyway uh rounding out the cast there we got green ghost who was the green lantern archetype um i kind of like the way they subverted expectations there when she had her scene before the massacre 
when you get the the whole model photography shoot they make you think it's going to be the model just with her having the shaved head and everything like that but it turns out it's the photographer so photographer representation I, there you go Zuhair. <laughs> yeah and then finally martian man who's i for my all for my money is like basically the biggest straight up rip i mean outside of his fire set basically being primarily focused on elasticity other than that he looks the most like the character he's he's based on it other than just like kind of elongating his head yep <laughs> uh, but he was voiced by chad l coleman who was uh was it tyree whatever i should i should stop trying to bring up the walking dead character so i'm not for that show okay cool thank you wiki uh, yeah yeah, um, it really goes to show how effective this team was um, in the fact that I don't know if it's if it's an act if uh, if anything later on in the comics spreads any light on it, but the fact that you know Omni Man is basically beaten to within a, an inch of his life, he's actually comatose when they find him there. There's something to be said. It wasn't it wasn't an easy easy thing for Omni Man to do, or if it was, he's a really good actor. Yeah, and I'm I'm not sure. I believe that is a deviation from the comics. I remember that that turn okay going a lot faster. And I actually like how the TV show did it better in my opinion, you know. You you got to see why like the Guardians of the Globe were a big deal. I believe in the comic he kills them all like really fast. Okay. Okay. Um that would stand a reason. I know there are some deviations from the comic. I I overheard an interview um, with Robert Kirkman. I, bl- I I don't know if it was on Kevin Smith's or another podcast or YouTube channel. Forgive me for not having that off the top of my head. But he basically said that Invincible came out in 2003 when he was 23 years old. So obviously um, through time he's learned to become a more effective storyteller. So yeah, uh, it's just a super smart way to to kick off the season. As I mentioned before, everything was kind of light, lighthearted and breezy, and felt very much like a coming of age father and son story. And then just wow, just to you're invited to take a vacation from everybody else's vacation to a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and see a 65 foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today. Or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. See the places and plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdoor adventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome. You're invited to explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and float along the rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. Plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdoor adventure. Mississippi. Wanderers welcome pull no punches and show us what this show is going to be about was a great way to to hook me um and it sounds like you guys are on the same page there so yeah one of the things we talk about on the on the young justice uh part of our cast is that like i don't like a superman that's like purely invincible and i like that you know i like the one that like if he gets hit by a missile or has people in the league that are on his strength level like Captain Adam or Shazam or Aquaman or whoever. So I like that they went with the approach that Omni-Man can go toe-to-toe with people. Like, yes, he's the most powerful, but, like, not by much. Like, mm-hmm. two, like, Immortal and 
War Woman together were, like, giving him a run for his money. Like, he was actually struggling. He was taking hits. He was going down a bit. So, things like that are really important to me where it's, like, if you have one person that, like, you just can't stop whatsoever, it just it takes the joy out of watching it because then it's, like, oh, well, this person showed up. It's story's over. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, not to not to go back to the Homelander comparison, but one of the things about the boys... And I get that this is one of the things that makes the boys interesting, but no one in that series can touch Homelander. No. Mm. And, and and that's their premise. But, like, this to me, like you said, is more interesting because it's like, yeah, maybe maybe they could beat Omni-Man, but, like, obviously they haven't figured out that Omni-Man is the one that killed the Guardians. Although they're suspicious. And they brought in my favorite character in the series so far, and then they banished him to hell, which is our <laughs> Hellboy analog. Uh, I don't remember him from the comics. He might be in there, uh, but as as a huge Hellboy fan, like I just love that angle. Yeah, what's what's the character's name? Damian Darkblood. Yes. Yeah, he's he's super cool, and he's he's voiced by a very prolific. Uh, not only voice actor but live action actor especially within this this fandom um clancy brown so yeah i would say he's as much of a uh rorschach analog as he is a a hellboy he's like hellboy meets rorschach yeah that that feels right (laughs) i love how like with falcon and the winter soldier right now they talk about how it's either aliens wizards or robots and we've gotten all three of those yeah, within the these four episodes already. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> to talk about the Gardens of Globe a little more, like we we mentioned that they get killed off so quick, but the other two, I guess all four episodes, cover how how much they meant to the world and how big the importance was because mm-hmm. we get their funeral, we get their memorials, we see their family if i recall there was even a fish family under the umbrella you'd think they'd enjoy the rain a little bit more but we talk about like they talk about their stories more they go into red rush's red yeah red rush's girlfriend and how she's like coping with it and trying to sell her house and it's just mayhem in there and how uh debbie grayson has to kind of deal with like being a, a superhero spouse and they show the importance of all this and how it actually affects the world and what they mean to them. And then you see how much the planet gets invaded on a regular basis too and how many villains are out there that they they did a really good job at setting up how iconic this organization is right off the bat that bleeds into the other episodes. Yeah, yeah, I, I would definitely agree. And um, it's it's kind of interesting that we get a lot of that context even though we don't get to spend the hugest or the, the biggest amount of time with the guardians on screen a lot of the context and a lot of what we learn about them is through omni man after the fact like even though he was the one that brutally murdered them he's the one that's like being you know the face of the public he's the one that's speaking um at the memorial as well as the funeral and i i couldn't help but pick up on like a couple of like the little interactions like even when they were still alive when uh, Immortal tossed the soldiers away and Omni-Man is kind of swooping in to save them all and, and Mortal doesn't think he's going to get the last one and Omni-Man kind of almost begrudging is like, I had him and J.K. Simmons does just a great job of just like t- 
towing that line. Like he, yeah, he definitely, he sounds, you know, like exactly like what you want him to sound. He's got that fatherly reassuring, um, nice gravitas to his voice, but there is that level of menace and, and the, the writing for the dialogue is, is so, does such a great job of conveying, um, just how callous he can be and in, in like small offhanded ways. And, um, it's almost like we, the audience are starting to pick up on that just as his wife, Deborah is starting to pick up on it as well. His, his voice yeah. has a sense of like entitlement where it's like, you all Ooh, are okay. beneath me and I'm going to mm, make that very mm. clear to you. Know your place. I'm the strongest here. And they give that dialogue a lot, even in the opening scene with the guards. And they're talking about how, like, they went through, like, mm-hmm. supervillain training. It's like, what are we going to do? Just, like, stick around and then run and then talk about, like, how useless humans really are in this day and age. Uh, but he does have right. that presence of, like, nah, I'm top dog. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on, on Omni-Man, Muzzy? Well, I was just going to say... Uh... They do such a good job with, like, the moments where Omni-Man snaps. Oh, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like J.K. Simmons just, like, can turn it on and then turn it off, like, so effortlessly. Um, and and to be honest, I, I didn't read enough of the comics to know where it's going. Like, I don't... It, it seems like as soon as... Mark gets his powers, that's when Omni-Man starts having having these snaps, and then he obviously kills the Guardians. Right. But I don't know if those are related or not. I I think Deborah even comments as as much, saying saying as such, yeah, um, ever since Mark got his powers, that's when he's been, you know, a lot more short, um, prone to anger. And just, I think she even says just straight up mean. So he seemed terrified when it was when his son said that he had his powers too. Yeah. So that's 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 like the big mystery to me is, does Mark getting powers did that change something about how Nolan relates to this world? Um, you know, and. Like I said, I haven't read far enough into the comics to know what that could or might mean. But like, it, you know, I feel like I read just enough of the comics for it to be perfect because it made me want to watch this series. Right. And then the series has me hooked. I like some of the things happening are retreads. Some things are definitely newer added in, or probably from later comics added in earlier. Mm-hmm. But. uh you know, I don't know where it's going, so I still get to experience the mystery. Yay! Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I I will be curious to see how his relationship with Mark specifically like continues to develop because right now it very much still is like he is the the father that's that's training him, and and even though there is obviously we as the audience know a lot more about his potential for for evil, um, Mark's still clueless, and Mark still wants to be just like him. So uh, that's another really um, interesting narrative choice choice to take, and I imagine that's the same way in, in the comics there. Uh, but I, as far as his motivations, the only only thing I, like as far as dialogue that I could really pull uh, is when he does go back to I believe it was the Flaxons is the name of this inter interdimensional species um, that it invades repeatedly during episode two. Anyway, yes. when he when he flies back and basically lays waste to their entire society, he says something to the effect like, "Don't you get it? 
earth is not yours to conquer and i thought that was a pretty interesting word choice you know yeah he told he told a certain story to mark but uh i mean he calls himself could, a yeah. protector but what is a real intent yeah, yeah I, what's I, what's his definition I, I of do protecting? think yeah i i do think he like we we get the flashback where he's telling uh mark about you know he came from the society and they send people out to protect all these planets i think it's pretty clear that that's an unreliable narrator and (laughs) that's not the entire truth um i think it's pretty ob well i don't know if it's obvious maybe maybe i'm just like projecting something in here but i think he he's sent to help conquer earth but my question would be why hasn't he done that and how does mark change that but hmm. yeah maybe like the concept of the guardians were a threat and if he were to try to take over then he wouldn't right quite have the compliance of the people of the earthlings like knowing that they killed their heroes so maybe now it's like this is how i stand up above everybody else so that they're on my side and they welcome or they allow me to bring in more viltrums viltrumites 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 yeah um so they can bring in more viltrumites and i feel like his son is what's stopping him because now they're now that the globe isn't an issue the guardians of the globe aren't an issue his son could be somebody that could reach the same power level and be a threat to him. That I I think you might be right on the money there because that would totally tie into like the through line of Mark wanting to be just like him, but that being, you know, both a blessing and a curse potentially and Mark having to, you know, decide whether or not he does want to be um just like his like his father or not. So um yeah, I mean the only only other thing um, now that we're like discussing it is I'm I'm remembering at the memorial when uh, he's speaking about you know which heroes will rise and fill in the guardian's place. He says he will first and foremost, mm-hmm. and then others like him. And he looks to his son, and that's actually one of the more like you know positive and seems like genuine and, and tender interactions that he actually has. That doesn't seem like it's being you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like he's it's not a masquerade for a lack of a better term. It always seems like there's a bit of a facade um, to Nolan, Omni-Man, when he's interacting with Mark specifically, I I would say. Got that Lex Luthor charisma. (laughs) That he does, that he does. This this is a little bit of uh, reckless speculation, but I wonder if, I wonder if things change for Omni-Man because he was able to reproduce with an earthling and powers came through that like that seems to be what triggered this event so like i don't know like what that means to the viltramites but like or maybe he was just planning this and wasn't planning on mark actually getting powers that's that totally could be the fact that you know mark's powers have finally manifested um could signal that earth is a planet that could potentially be cultivated um you know yeah who knows what the this this state of viltrum or the viltrumites um is they could be you know 
a waning species that needs to to find a way to breed yeah exactly that i i like that a lot i wouldn't be surprised if that's it at all the the best the best part of this rampant speculation is there's people that have read like these comics for like 12 years and they're like you guys are so far off yeah i I know there were a few people like uh uh, aaron dimming sony tetris i think he's pretty familiar with the source material he was excited for us to have this conversation he's probably one of those people that's like face palming right now but hopefully the hopefully the speculation's entertaining anyway yeah like like i don't know there's a certain fun in like seeing people experience something you're a fan of for the first time i hope we're giving that to invincible fans (laughs) certainly hope so yeah yeah um but you know that that is a good opportunity we've uh we've been talking about the the show and um the title character has come up a lot by way of his interaction with other characters but uh yeah invincible mark grayson is is such a, a great lead character and steven yoon does such a awesome job of embodying um not only like that youthful um uh idealism that that you hear in his voice but also like the angst as well as like the like the real disappointment um and uh, i guess ex- there's a like certain hopeful expectation uh, wanting to rise to the occasion that's just broadcasted so well for the character and instantly endears endears me to the character um, and it was hilarious that the fact that we first, the first time we see him, he's sitting on the toilet and his mom walks in on, on him. It's like, okay, <laughs> that sets the tone for what you can expect yeah. in this series. <laughs> Would you guys have any, any real big takeaways for his, his character arc? I mean, obviously he, he went through a lot in just these four episodes. I, I, I love the character. Obviously he's the title character. You're supposed to love him. Uh, but you know he he's such a great analog for comics fans like he's a little awkward mm-hmm. um he's he's unsure of himself but then Very, you know yeah. he gets he's gets these powers and he's still not coordinated he's still not you know uh he's still not perfect with them but like he's a good guy mm-hmm. and like what a what a perfect character obviously they didn't have this in mind when they were planning the show but to have an asian main character as your main guy when we're dealing with you know all all of the all of the asian hate and stuff that's going on in the u.s right now it's kind of nice to see like representation And, and he was you know he they didn't change his race he's half half asian american half viltrumite in the comics too right um and and, you know it it just it's it's kind of nice to not see just another white superhero we get a lot of those (laughs) so yeah i thought i i think he's great yeah yeah i don't want to steal in your thunders your hair but he definitely um had his his steve rogers moment that before even before his powers manifested he stood up to the bully and 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 took the punch which you know amber comments on later on a lot of guys have thrown punches for her but he was the first one to take punches so yeah just kind of shows what kind of guy he is even before he is quote unquote invincible <laughs> cue the title card the i like the way they throw the title card in that it's really cool um my, it's one of my favorite gags yeah my marvel comparison was he reminds me of tom holland spider-man 
uh, in the sense where Perfect. it's like he's so excited to be part of a team and have superpowers <laughs> and do this and do that until he realizes like how traumatizing it actually is. And in his mm-hmm. first encounter, he's like he hesitates on his flying, on his punching, but like he has like witty remarks and comebacks for everything. And he's wearing the suit, and he's like a whole other person than when he's out of it. So it's like anything that comes to his mind is very vocal. And I I really like characters like that. So it's it's great how every time it's in a tense situation, he just has like the right thing to say just to kind of give that little comic relief in a very intense show which as i've stated is there's a lot of holy fuck moments in the show so we kind of need that um that commentary from time to time yeah you bring up that that first battle and how traumatic it was for him i immediately think of uh, when he had that old woman and he's flying oh. with her cradled and he gets shot in the back and goes for a tumble and lines up and winds up in that crater and when he looks down at her oh her mangled limbs oh my god i forgot oh, about yeah. that it was rough. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, the tone of this show is so interesting because it's simultaneously bright and colorful. Everything's in the daytime for the most part. That's true. It's hopeful, and yet it's also just dark and traumatic. In <laughs> you, know, you know, like... It, it's it's just the duality of its tone is it's it's difficult but fun mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i i mean in that same scene they're fighting these flaxons and it's almost comical because these these aliens <laughs> just keep coming back and getting their asses kicked over and over <laughs> um and you you know like intermixed with all of this gore and horrible reality of what it what it's like to be a superhero like invincible is still like excited to be a hero and optimistic and hopeful and like you know it's it's and and i think that's invincible himself is what sets us apart from the boys because Mm -hmm. the boys feels very hopeless a lot of the time Mm -hmm. true true yeah no and uh even in terms of like that that whole you know um, the contrast between you know the bright and colorful character designs, which by the way I, I just have to give a quick shout out to the character designs. It's it's funny that he asks for something iconic, which is really difficult to do in this modern age. You know, superheroes have been around since what like the the twenties, thirties, and they're still able to like every single character for my money. Uh, there's obviously homage being paid to a lot of characters, but they all feel very unique and they stand out just like in, in my favorite animated series when there are multiple characters and a lot of action happening on on screen. I never have a problem keeping track of where mm-hmm. anybody is. But uh, going back to what I was saying just about you know the contrast in terms of even the tone, like as far as the pace of the show goes, we get these nice uh, character development moments and uh, nice conversations and interactions and relationship building. And then those are, uh, you know, side by side with these really bombastic, uh, over the top action set pieces that really don't hold any punches. I mean, we were just talking about that flax on invasion and you got duplicate running around constantly duplicating yourself while, Virgins of her just getting sawed in half, and you watch the organs spill out on the street, and it's just like, okay, this is every day for these guys, but um, it's not every day for Invincible, and he does a really good job of, uh, you know, 
showcasing that trauma but as you guys mentioned uh just like and yeah just like with spider-man it, it's it never gets him down he's still the underdog he's always going to get back up and keep on fighting and I do believe a big part of that is, you know, he's looking up to the example of his father. Um, and that's just, you know, a, a huge primary motivator for him. When you need milk for Zoe and a cold brew for yourself, Kroger Delivery will get you just what you need in as little as 30 minutes. Open the Kroger app and start your cart, whatever the cart. Whenever, Kroger, fresh for everyone. Delivery time's not guaranteed. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. When you're a Boost member, you get free delivery, double fuel points, and lots more. Sign up at Kroger.com slash Boost. There's a highway that stretches across the 93 days of summer where worship isn't offered to the sun, but to the smoking tire, the S-curve, and the spin turn. And if you ride it, make sure you do it in a Dodge Charger, Challenger, or Durango. Because on this highway, the lines being blurred are the ones between drivers and demons. Welcome to Highway 93. Dodge is a registered trademark. And as I've stated before, um, being a martial artist and someone who just enjoys action media, when they show action scenes where there's like solid choreography and you can see like the motion that's happening and the exchanges between the characters... That really impresses me because the the detail on every action scene is impeccable in this show. It's not, you know, Dragon Ball Z level action where they're just like disappearing and you hear or just kind of figure what's going on. Like the choreography, the animation, the style, all of it is, it's very spot on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, speaking of that, that Flaxon invasion, I would say outside of uh, Mark's relationship with his father first and foremost and then his mother um other than that like two of his biggest relationships at least in this set of episodes we've got were with uh adam eve who's a member of the teen team which we met during during this action set piece um as well as amber which is the girl at his school which i mentioned earlier when he had that you know steve rogers moment taking the punch so um you know it's it's kind of typical of a teen coming of, of age story he's got you know the romantic triangle um did you do you guys have i'm not one to like ship people and i even feel weird saying ship but do you guys have um or you know muzzy given your your knowledge of the the comic source material any any indicators of where you think the relationships are going to go or would do you have a preference of who he winds up with in that regard because so from from the comics, I don't remember Amber being in them. Uh, oh, okay. I think I think she might be an added character or a character who appears maybe later. Okay. Um, that that they they added from the start, you know, kind of kind of. My my guess is, if he could rewrite the comics, he would have added her from the start in the comics. Um, mm. but, uh, we get Adam Eve does go to his school, uh, in the comics and she is dating Rexplosion in the comics. Right. Uh, so that, that line is there, but we, we don't get the Amber part. And I think the Amber part is really interesting to me because mm. it forces him to stay in touch with his human side and it it gives us that spider-man balancing his superhero life with his hero life definitely or definitely. with his normal life yep 
do 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 so i'm having a producer ashley moment uh wikipedia (laughs) says that amber was redesigned from her comic book source to look more like her voice actress for the series so it could have been somebody else and they like redesigned her okay or like Uh, formatted her but um yeah the actor is is zazie beats who has uh appeared in a number of comic book things already um yeah she's domino and Deadpool, isn't she? Correct, no. and then yeah, she's Dom- oh, is- yeah, she's Domino in Deadpool too. Okay, and then she also showed up in Joker. She was uh, Arthur's love interest, neighbor. if you want yeah. to call huh. her that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, yeah, I just don't remember him having a girlfriend in the comics. That, like I said, I, I I'm guessing she shows up later because. From what I remember, there just was not a lot of time spent at the school. Okay. And I actually appreciate all the time they spend at the school. Like, I, I think it's... I, I'm a Spider-Man fan, and mm-hmm. that's, like, the Spider-Man part of this to me is, like... You know, and, and Invincible really is an, uh, an album of Spider-Man, Superboy... Sure. You know, all, all, the, all these characters, but... Uh, I don't know. I just I just like uh, the contrast of all these powers, and he's still a little bit of a geek or uh, you know socially awkward, trying to figure out the world. Like I I just I'm a sucker for that. Yeah, um, I I love that uh, interaction they had the first time that he calls her, and she basically says like, "You're terrified of me, aren't you?" <laughs> <laughs> yep. She she is just so so cool and far too cool for him <laughs> and like you, you know that that's what makes it interesting and then like uh, obviously contrasted with uh adam eve who knows knows who he is mm-hmm. um yeah but I, I i love that character i like the triangle um you know it, it's been interesting enough without going cw on me <laughs> uh you know like it is it, it's a it's a love triangle not a love pet pentagon octagon <laughs> uh no one's been brought back from the dead yet not yet that i know of <laughs> so uh, i love it <laughs> it's it's funny that you you mentioned the peter parker relation because as i said like on wikipedia they're comparing all of these characters to like who they're loosely based off of and Adam sure. Eve's comparison is actually to Mary Jane in a mix of Carol Ferris. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. I guess that Carol Ferris is more of the power set, but... Yeah, with the, the projection of shields as well as projectiles. Yeah, but if I had to ship with one of them, I, I think I, I like him with Adam Eve more. Because, mm. as you said, like she... Um, Amber kind of has that vibe of, oh, you're afraid of me. Whereas Adam Eve has, like, his his friend William kind of, like, brings up the point of, like, oh, you can't you can't just go talk to Samantha. She's, like, the cutest girl. Like, everybody wants to be Samantha, or Samantha's girlfriend or this and that. But she has a very comforting personality. Even if it, even, like, seconds before she knew who Mark actually was. Like, she was easy to communicate with and kind of, like, weeding him through this process of being a hero and... I guess I just kind of like that the the level of communication understand or like empathy that they have with each other mm-hmm. whereas like every yeah. interaction he's had with Amber has been a rough patch whether it be through the bullying yeah. or 
him bailing on her because she was uh because he had a mission while she was over just like whatever the situation is like it feels like he has to work harder for something that's kind of a forced thing where it's like him and samantha just kind of click yeah no that's that's a, a great point and i wonder if it speaks to you know kind of what muzzy brought up the the fact that amber keeps him grounded um to his humanity mm-hmm. and you know maybe that will become more and more of a struggle for him obviously it will be um and i think that's going to be one of the major through lines of the of the series going forward uh but no i I definitely agree with you too as far as his interactions with adam eve uh go there was that really nice scene in the in the high school hallway right in front of the lockers he's kind of at a loss for words and she's like do you you need to talk about yesterday you look like you need to talk. Yeah, I just I love that comforting personality so much. There's, there's yeah, not yeah, too many people yeah. that can like provide that. I was just gonna say, the fact that everyone in the in this little like love triangle, the fact that they're all good, mm-hmm. like and they they and, and both both of his potential love interests have such good points makes me super afraid now that one of them is going to die mm. or Mark is going to do something that screws one of them over. And mm. I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope we don't have a... As, yeah, as much as we've made the Peter Parker comparisons here, I certainly hope we don't have a Gwen Stacy situation. Um, I yeah. hope he doesn't have to learn that lesson the hard way. Please, please tell me the Wikipedia doesn't say <laughs> Amber is based on Gwen Stacy. Thankfully it does not. <laughs> A Gwen Stacy archetype. <laughs> I mean, regarding Adam Eve and relationships, like, man, did she get mm-hmm. screwed over by Rick Splode in a very... Like, I was shocked, but I was laughing so hard when he came out of the shower with, like, three versions of Duplicate. Yep. <laughs> I was like, holy <laughs> shit! He's having the time of his life right now! <laughs> and because it's the guy who plays Pimento in Brooklyn Nine-Nine and, um... Yep. Jason Manzukas and uh, got the what was the character's name in in Parks and Rec? Ooh, in Parks and Rec, I do I not know, but I know Feinstein. He was... Feinstein. Okay, he the, was the... Raffy in the in the league. Yeah, so like just his, I, I love his persona so much, and just the character that he had in Brooklyn Nine Nine, and hearing that voice, I was like, oh, you you are nailing this role, bud. Yeah, you actually. That scene with Duplicate actually brings up something interesting. Mm-hmm. So, so during the Flaxon invasion, we see all these Duplicates dying, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And then during that scene, she act, the the shower scene, she says, "They're all the real me." I noticed that too. So those aren't just like, you know, copies or mindless. Those are actual living like clone people with like all of her memories and yeah. feelings and stuff. I that are just getting slaughtered in these scenes. I definitely picked up on that too, yeah, which kind of ties back into like what I brought up about Red Rush. It's almost like you get you get to you get to almost have a, a whole nother level of appreciation for these extremely gory scenes. Like they're already yeah. so visually um, graphic, but to have that extra context to think about what's happening there, oh man, it makes it all that much more effective. Yeah. Um But with uh Actually, while while we're on the subject of duplicate, um, when we went back to or when we went to the prison scene where we had the the Mahler twins escape, there was one cell that had um, a bunch of, like a, a a bunch of copies of this young Asian guy, and I, I had just couldn't help but wonder. I was like, 
she he has to be related to duplicate if not her like brother or or something like that yeah i don't know but that's a good point i didn't Mm. notice him yeah okay um but as far as rex explode goes uh with his power set it took me a little bit to understand exactly what was happening at first i thought maybe he was like an inventor iron iron man type where he had like projectiles that he created that he threw but over time, I, I gathered that he was actually more like a gambit type. Like, he was able to charge just everyday objects and make those explode. I didn't fully understand so, that yeah. until I read the wiki page right before we started recording. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, like, he's he's got those change dispensers like they have at, like, baseball games. <laughs> and he's throwing coins at people. Right, yeah. He says something to the effect, like, I'm out of pocket change here. But I, I don't think it's until episode four or was it maybe th- was it three when he has the showdown with uh, Monster Girl? I think it's three. I think it's three. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, he holds that baton up, and that's where you actually see the hand go to the baton and actually Charge cause the charging effect. Yeah. Man, is it satisfying when Monster Girl whoops his ass? That was that? so oh, great. It was. And he, yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah, Adam Eve chimes in. <laughs> or no, Invincible's like, is this okay? And he's like. She's like, he deserves it. <laughs> and they're all like cool with each other at the end of the fight. But man, the the side effect of her power is pretty bad. They used to call me yeah. Monster yeah. Woman, but I don't feel like explaining this every time. Yeah, that's oh. pretty wild. That's um You would think that Robot would have known that before he recruited her as a new guardian of the globe, which uh just backpedaling a little bit, we do get Having spent time with the the teen team, Robot, who's their leader, who's voiced by Zachary Kinto, who does a, a great job of you know having that kind of emotionless, calculating voice, uh, he is promoted to the the leader of the New Guardians, and he recruits his his new team, and we basically have these tryouts, which is where um, Rex and Monster Girl have their showdown. That cliffhanger with the robot and actually Ooh, being yes. a bad guy was like. How, how are you messing with my brain this much every episode? Yeah, because he's the one that lets the Mahler twins out, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, they have an unseen benefactor for quite some time until he steps out of the shadows. Say it! I'm the real one! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're a lot of fun, those guys. It is, it's so well written. Like, the Mahler twins, it doesn't take you, like... Like, they immediately show up, and you immediately know, like, one's a clone, you don't know which one, and they argue about it. And, like, (laughs) it takes them two seconds for you to understand their whole deal. Yep. Yep. And then I noticed that the one that begrudgingly admits that he's the clone just to get freed from the cell, he's the one that actually ends up using the other one as the human, as the... As the body shield, I yeah. shouldn't say human shield because they're not quite human. I don't know what they are, um, but when he when he finally does clone another version, it, it's very clear that it's something to do with his blue physiology is what, what makes it possible. Blue skinned, hyper powerful uh, yeah. superhumans. Oh, that's what well, Ricky says. There you go. Long time adversaries to the Guardians. Yeah, but Robot obviously has a keen interest in them because he's continued to like surveil what they're doing even in the midst of like guardian meetings like it's there's a really cool scene transition where we were watching you know the Mahler twin the Mahler twin 
make his new twin, his new brother, and then you kind of transitions right into uh, Robot's vision set where he gets interrupted by Rex Blood, and he says something to the fact like he was defragmenting. Um, but obviously has a, a keen interest in, in their cloning process, and he even gets a blood sample from Rex Splode. So I have to imagine that it... Well, we saw like a a, a fetus, a very gross, malformed fetus thing growing in a in a tank. So with that blood sample, I imagine he's going to try and make that thing a little less deformed and maybe transfer himself into a real body because there's been... He had that moment with Monster Girl where... Uh, he tried to relate to her and say, like, you know, I know that how that feels to be looked at and not really understood for what you are. And then she kind of flippantly blows him off. What do you know? You're a robot. Yeah. Like, you actually feel kind of bad for him in that moment. So I have to imagine what he's doing is has something to to do with giving himself a physical form. Got some Red Tornado so, vibes yeah, off he's, of that. Ooh, there you go. Yeah, he's Ultroning. Yes, even, even yeah, his uh, head shape is very Ultron-esque. It's cool that the robot actually gets the leadership position. Because I thought it yeah, was yeah. Adam Eve, but the way that he was actually carrying himself and being the primary source of communication and whatnot, I was like, oh, shit, they actually gave the robot, like, the leadership position. Yeah. Well, and Robo- Robot is super likable. Like, like he was maybe my favorite, like, character. And then, like, the heel turn comes, and mm-hmm. you're like, oh, Just don't get attached <laughs> oh, to anybody. I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, well, I like you. You're probably gonna die soon, aren't you? <laughs> um, but the the while we're on the subject of Robot and his his new appointed leadership, the person that uh, gives him that role is this character Cecil Stedman. Um, and I'm I'm never one to focus on negatives too much, but um, as talented as the voice cast is. And as strong an actor I know Walton Goggins is, this is this is one that I just felt like was a little bit of a miscast. I don't know if it's just the character design not matching the voice or him just kind of mailing in his performance or what. But I, it's just one that's kind of not really... Any time that character's had significant amounts of dialogue, I find myself checking out a little bit. I don't, I don't know if you guys had any strong feelings as far as that goes. No, I thought it was pretty appropriate. Okay. I, uh, I I think I'd agree with Jay Scotty for the most part. Maybe not as strongly as Jay Scotty feels. Um, I, I didn't check out, but like, it's when you have a Nick Fury or an Amanda Waller who he's very clearly an analog to. Mm-hmm. Um, you you kind of expect when they talk, people listen. And I know that's just not the character that Cecil is. Like, the heroes kind of ignore him a lot. Yeah. Um, But uh, he just... It doesn't feel a lot of times like he has the gravitas you'd want him to have. Um, That's fair. Yeah. But, like, like, from Spider-Man Far From Home, uh, the line... Are you ghosting Nick Fury? And it feels like everyone in this universe is kind of ghosting, <laughs> ghosting C. Yeah, I loved his fair. line about like, I can't teleport right at your front door. Sorry if I was off by a little bit. Showed up in your living room. Did, did okay. you buy that? No. No, I didn't. But I love the I thought, excuse yeah. of just kind of like I just kind of picked this general area and popped up here. <laughs> 
low key, I, I think my favorite like C tier character is uh, Cecil's uh, Clark Gregg, uh, Agent Coulson mm, right. analog, who's just like always there, and especially in the scene where they're sending. Uh, Dark blood back to hell. Right, <laughs> that's that's level seven shit right there. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh. You, well, you've you've got this bookie nerdy like secret agent like <laughs> repeating these demonic incantations. It's like, man, you pay uh, that. I, I just quick. love that contrast. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting how much Cecil knows about the Omni Man attack though, because he doesn't want. What was it, Dark Blood? Yeah, Dark Blood to to get any closer. It's like he senses that he's getting close to figuring out what happened. He's kind of like, nope, you figured out enough. Back to hell with you. Like the idea that he knows that Dark Blood and Cecil both know Omni Man did it. Yeah. Mm. They're both, you know, fairly sure and they're both figuring it out. But Cecil has the wits about him to know that, like, hey, we can't just, like, we can't just out this like it's got to be handled. And Dark Blood is, Dark Blood only cares about the truth, right? And that's going to be a problem because Omni Man's going to slaughter all of us, right? Uh, or could. Yeah, it's uh, it's very very much Watchmen esque in in that sense. There, um, you know, Doctor Manhattan has the potential to wipe out everything, and the one thing that's standing in his path is the immovable object, which is Rorschach. And we already made the um, analogy there. But uh, yeah, I, I outside of his interactions with um, Damien Darkblood, which ultimately, ultimately lead to them excising him back to hell, for, at least for the time being, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that character comes back because he's so great. And the way they introduce him, you know, with people, their breath showing because he makes the room cold. I love that. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Even the character design. I was so glad when he finally tipped his hat to uh, Deborah, and we got to see that that wasn't hair. That was just a continuation of that that white getup that uh, um, he's got. Which I don't know why that I I, I appreciate that so much. I just like like knowing that that wasn't hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, though, yeah. It, uh, for Cecil outside of uh, his interactions with Damien and assembling this new Guardians team, uh, the big thing that he's doing is uh, trying to get Nolan off-planet. Yeah. The, yeah, the first time is with Alan the Alien, who's voiced by Seth Rogen, who we mentioned was a producer. It was great to hear his voice instantly recognizable. And the, Oh, yeah. I love <laughs> it. It was, it was so funny because you think it's going to be this big... Uh, action set piece and it is in a lot of ways we got you know him slamming him into the satellite as well as into the moon but then they finally just sit down and have a conversation and it's like oh this was just a misunderstanding you're looking for Urath (laughs) yeah Yeah, I hope that character returns oh yeah definitely how do you breathe in space you don't (laughs) so um, other than that time that he tries to send Nolan to, to fight Alan and it ends up being uh, Mark instead. The next big time is in episode four, when they have to go accompany the the Mars mission. Cool. They want it to be to Nolan specifically to get him off planet, and that's stated outright in the episode. Um, but Mark 
kind of continues to step up and as much as he thinks he's doing the right thing he's he's actually a foil to this ongoing investigation did you guys have any any big mentions for that that whole space mission for mark or how it impacts you know either his relationship with the investigation or omni-man for that matter well, he's going to bring I, in... I love the sandwich gig. <laughs> bring a lunch, kid. <laughs> and then the sandwich is just freeze-dried in space. Uh, pack a lunch, my ass. <laughs> but I, I th- this is like the lowest stakes bet ever, but uh, I would definitely put money on those... Uh, those facehugger aliens being important down the road. Yep, that's a, that's a safe bet. Yeah. <laughs> Safest bet in the history of safe bets. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I, and I guess it was kind of, they did a nice job of, uh, like, bookending that episode with, like, you know, tying the themes all together because we opened that episode with uh, uh, Mark flying with his father across the Sahara and he had the problem of flying too low and creating a sandstorm. And eventually he was actually able to use that, you know, as a strategy to blind yeah. the Martians. Uh, the only the other thing I wanted to pick up as far as him being in space that really got a laugh out of me is that we saw that uh, that vulture like character biplane that uh, oh, immortal yeah. threw into space in episode one. <laughs> he was just like, flying out there. <laughs> uh. Yeah, like, and, and he says, "When in doubt, throw them into space." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it works. It definitely does work. It does. Um, I like the point of, like, they wanted the mission on Mars to be a success for humanity, and they were trying to keep the the hero hidden at that point. Right. Like, yeah. these superheroes yeah, have taken the spotlight for so long that it's like, we need we need humanity to show that they're still useful in something like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just goes to show the nature of the world. We kind of touched on it earlier, but they've done such a great job of establishing... A world that includes, you know, the sci-fi, the aliens, as well as the extra-dimensional stuff, as well as the magic um, and the demonology. It just feels like this world that's, like, you know, lifted right from the pages of, of your favorite comic book worlds. Any There's the potential for dragons. Um, it makes me super excited to see what other obstacles um, our main characters are going to face going forward. Um, I think that, that kind of brings us to a good uh, wrapping-up point. Did you guys... Have any other big standouts from this particular set of episodes or any characters you wanted to bring up? I know we didn't really mention some of the... Uh, there were a couple of other new characters that joined the, the new roster of uh, the Guardians of the Globe, Shrinking Ray and Black Samson. They um, got some nice moments in terms of like showing their, their powers. And then um, for Black Samson in particular, it seems like there might be some vying uh, for leadership... So, definitely going to be some growing pains for this uh, this new group. Not to mention the fact that uh, we got that revelation with their leader, Robot, that he's up to some more nefarious stuff, which we mentioned. And like I said offline, uh, we've been watching Young Justice so much that as soon as the voice actor kicked in for Black Samson, I was like, oh, it's Calderon. I've kind of oh, heard yeah, that yeah. voice every day for the last couple months now. <laughs> yeah, Car- Kari Patton is... Uh, I was like, now we're dealing with leadership struggle again, too? It's like, come on, buddy. (laughs) You'll get there one day. I do like the idea that, like, 
he was an original guardian who lost his powers. Oh, they do drop that, yeah, that little tidbit there. I didn't catch that. Yeah, Rex is kind of rubbing it, rubbing in a couple different times because he, he says, "Didn't I make that crack already?" Yeah. Oh, it says it in the description too. Hmm. So it'll be interesting to get more uh, more backstory there, and then Shrinking Ray just kind of seems like you know, she's bringing her best, she's bringing her A game, but she doesn't have a lot of patience for people that aren't doing the same. And rightfully, rightfully so, they were being pretty petulant there. Adam Eve is just running solo now, right? Yeah, she said she couldn't be on a team with uh, Duplicate and Rexplode, so. Yeah. And if it hadn't been for that, I couldn't help but notice, like, Robot basically would have just taken his entire old team and put it on the new team. It's mm-hmm. like, nah, you sure there's not a bias there, buddy? But, um, I, I guess it's worth mentioning the one thing that happened in episode four that seemed entirely removed from the rest of the show that'll be interesting to see how that that ends up tying back in was that whole scene in egypt where we we get a guy resurrecting a very uh mumra like character but yeah i don't know if that's good i feel like there's a 50 50 shot of that being super important or just being a throwaway gig for the sandstorm that comes after Invincible flies oh, by. Oh, okay, okay. You that would be hilarious <laughs> if that's all that ends up being. <laughs> but, like, but but the show like, and, and I remember the comic too. Like little innocuous things, okay, tend to come back later. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Like small things were important in the comic. I remember that. Okay. So like, it definitely could be like next season that's a big deal Mm, and like okay and like this is the origin for it that we got to see way back in episode four okay but all right well uh yeah definitely something to look forward to as well as you know we as we've highlighted on this entire episode we've been introduced to a wonderful cast of characters chief among them our title character invincible again cue the title card um so in the next um coverage that we do for invincible uh again as i stated at the top i we don't know exactly how many episodes are in this first season but we're going to assume that it's eight so um once these next four episodes have come out stay tuned we will have our follow-up episode uh coming up very shortly after that so um muzzy again thank you for your time zuhair thanks as always for being here uh I'm J. Scotty St. Clair. You can follow me on Twitter at J. Scott for Real. That's uh, number four in R-E-E-L. And uh, please go to strandedpanda.com, um, join the Stranded Army, and check out the list of uh, awesome shows we've got there. You know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast is kind of the flagship show that started this network that's got a great family of shows that include the Star Trek Universe podcast, the Star Wars Universe podcast, uh, Superhero Ethics, as well as Bingers, uh, which Muzzy just recently appeared on for uh, the Godzilla vs. Kong, um, all those legendary monster pictures. So um, you guys got any stuff you want to plug? Go for it. Um, I guess I I don't have any projects going on personally. Like you said, I was doing the MonsterVerse episodes on Bingers. Um, otherwise, let me just plug Stranded Panda Trivia every Wednesday night, uh, twitch.tv slash strandedpandatv. 
Um, you'll find most of us hanging out there uh, afterwards during the after dark. So uh, come hang out. Uh, if you're an adult, have some adult beverages. Uh, and uh, watch Zuhair cyberbullying. <laughs> <laughs> no one is safe in code names. <laughs> what you got, Zuhair? Yeah, if you want to look into my personal nonsense, you can look me up at Zoo786 at Z followed by five U's on Twitter. Very good. And then uh, I, I should say we did create a Gmail for the show. So if you've got feedback um, and want to interact with us outside of the Stranded Panda chat, it is Animation Deliberation Podcast, spelled exactly how it sounds, at gmail.com. So hit us up with some feedback there. We'll look forward to interacting with you that way as well and incorporating your feedback into the show. So, Zuhair? Stay whelmed. There's a highway that stretches across the 93 days of summer where worship isn't offered to the sun, but to the smoking tire, the S-curve, and the spin turn. And if you ride it, make sure you do it in a Dodge Charger, Challenger, or Durango. Because on this highway, the lines being blurred are the ones between drivers and demons. Welcome to Highway 93. Dodge is a registered trademark. Right here in your neighborhood. Here's a little tale about hard-to-recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things with a program that complements your regular recycling. plastics can be so much more. Give the trash a second chance it was hoping hard-to-recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag program happening in your neighborhood today.